I mean, this film that we're making is not so much about the hiking. It, it, the setting is the, the Kotlin and the Divide Trail, but really this is a film about people. This is a film about life. This is a film about us living in the fastest paced society in the world. And here are six people that are going to live life at the pace of their feet. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Humans, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes with your favorite social media creators to tell you where they came from, how they got here, and where they're headed next. Let's go. On today's episode, our guest is Nick Reichert, also known by his trail name, Click. Nick is a professionally trained artist, and he is setting out on the Continental Divide Trail to film a full-length documentary about his experiences. Nick, thank you for being on the podcast. Could you give us some personal background just about yourself to get us started? Yeah, I think the best place to start in terms of being a visual artist for me was right after college. I graduated from film school and went to LA. Here I am in the land. Like I, this childhood dream is right in front of me, wanting to work on movies. And then during that week visiting, I realized it's the exact opposite of what I wanted. So I kind of went on this journey of finding out what inspires me as an artist. And I realized that if you wanted to be a storyteller, you should have a good story to tell. So. That brought me to running sled dogs on a glacier in Alaska, and then I built a bed in my car and drove to the most eastern point in North America. And then after that, I realized I've seen more of Canada than I had my own country, <laughs> and that I was kind of tired of being in a car. So, hey, let's go hike the Appalachian Trail. And that really is where I started finding out the kind of work that inspired me. Yeah, it yeah was just, that's that very was cool. The beginning, I guess. Yeah. I want to know more about the sled dog piece before we move on from that. So I had a friend who did this crazy job, uh, the sled dog, um, dog handling job in Alaska on a glacier the year before I did it. And so I followed him like, oh my gosh, look at this guy, he's doing this crazy thing. And then the next year he threw hiked the Appalachian Trail. And when he was leaving to go do that, I said, hey, can you hook me up with that job? It looked really cool. It would be a really good way for me to test out photography. And so, yeah, he hooked me up with that job. And so going up there, getting to take a helicopter to work and having this really unconventional lifestyle in a place, being from Columbus, Ohio, I would consider myself definitely a city boy, being scared of spiders and bears and things like that. Uh, So it was definitely really eye-opening. Were you taking pictures and video during that whole time or...? Yeah, I was. It was a really interesting industry because I knew nothing about dogs. I knew nothing about hard work. And uh, I wanted, my idea was to take photography in the free time, but we were working 12 to 15 hour days. So I was pretty tired. So yeah. it took a lot to like, shoot right. photography after I got off. Yeah. So then when you went to the Appalachian Trail um, and you through hiked that, was their documentation along the way or was that mostly just hiking without as much filming and whatnot? Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, when I started the AT, I wanted to see if I could capture it in a way that hadn't been captured before. Um, Not necessarily better, but different. And that's when 
I sold all my camera equipment, my digital camera and all these things, and I bought old Hasselblad, and I decided this is the camera that's gonna tell the story that I want. And and maybe and so the first three rolls of film that I shot were completely blank. I was like, what are you doing? This is not working out. My parents were like, why are you going? And something just told me, like, keep going, keep trying this, uh, just find out who you are, right? And so I shot 149 rolls of film on the AT between 35mm and media format film. And somewhere along the way, I really started finding out that it wasn't the landscapes that inspired me, but the people that I was hiking with. I mean, I was out there to, to find my work as an artist and to maybe sell prints and, and, and that sense where a lot of other people that I was hiking with were having, oh, I quit my job and I sold my house. And I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, that is, that's crazy. I, and what are you doing after? And then I would hear stories. And then after you're hiking with someone, really getting to know someone and then being able to figure out how I can capture their personality. And I'd never taken someone's portrait before the Appalachian Trail. And now, yeah, I would consider myself a portrait slash documentary photographer because of that process. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I have a few questions about that. Um, first, coming back to the camera, could you just explain to us like details of that old camera for people who don't know and how much 149 rolls of film is? I don't really have any way to right. conceptualize how much that is. Yeah, so film is a really interesting uh, medium. I think it's funny because a lot of my friends make fun of me because I say uh, film, shooting film is a very intimate experience, and it is. Uh, you don't get that instant gratification of seeing your photography, and you don't get that when you through-hike either. So if I start in Mexico on the Pacific Crest Trail, I'm not going to be in Canada tomorrow. Well, same thing shooting film. You're not going to have to send it in, get it developed, and it may not come out right, but that's kind of the process. And I shot about 4,000 photos on, on yeah. film, along with maybe 10,000 photos on my iPhone, because, you know, yeah. I just, some days it's raining, and I'm like, I'm not pulling out my film camera, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting Yeah, video. definitely. So, obviously, you, you must have enjoyed that experience, because then you went on to hike another trail, and you're doing a third one coming up. Can you talk about what the second hike was like and then what your mindset has been through all that and going for the, the third one here? Yeah, that, that that's very interesting too. I was very stubborn on the Appalachian Trail. I was like, this is not for me. I don't like backpacking. I did it out of necessity for my art. So when I finished the AT, the, it was a beautiful day, just this life-changing experience. I get off the mountain, I'm like, I'm never through hiking again. <laughs> I want to go home and wear a pair of jeans and go be able to go get a coffee or something yeah. like that. And I found myself a month later in Denver, Colorado, and I had my first panic attack ever. And that was really scary. I had no idea what was going on. I called my brother, ran in an alley, it was like two in the morning, I had a few drinks, but then he was like, hey, calm down, you're having a panic attack. Dude, you just went through this crazy life experience. And at that moment, I realized everything was different. And I couldn't just go back to this, the same life that I had. And at that point, when I drove back from Denver to Columbus, it was like an 18 hour drive. And I said to myself, you're hiking the PCT next year because this is where you belong. This is where you're making your art, where you should be. And so I called my hiking partner, Cheesebeard, uh, <laughs> and uh, 
hey, do you want to hike the PCT next year? He's like, all right, when do we start? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So then you did the, the PCT, and now you're getting ready to do, what is it? The Continental Divide Trail. Okay, gotcha. So once we knew we were doing the PCT, I think we knew that we were going to try to do the CDT this year. Um, these are the three big trails in the United States, and together they call it like the Triple Crown. Um, there's less than 250 people that have ever Triple Crown the United States hiking trails, which is fewer people that have ever been in outer space. And we're going to do all three in three years, which is something I think less than 40 people have ever done. So uh, it's it's definitely, I'd say, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. To yeah. A bit of additional info on the Triple Crown. The easiest of the three trails, and I use easiest in relative terms here, would be the Appalachian Trail, which spans about 2,200 miles from Springer Mountain in Georgia to Mount Katahdin in Maine. Next is the Pacific Crest Trail, which is about 500 miles longer than the Appalachian and spans from Mexico to Canada along the Sierra Nevada and Cascade Ranges. The longest and most difficult of the three is the Continental Divide Trail. At 3,100 miles long, it covers the Rocky Mountains from Canada to Mexico, hitting Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico along the way. And what's the time duration on those hikes generally? I'm sure it varies, but... Yeah, between four and six months is the average. The more experience we have, I feel very comfortable in outdoors now, so I'm confident in my abilities to know, like, I would say not my confident abilities to finish because that is part of luck and, and enjoying the, the ride because you never know if you're going to get hurt but I'm right. confident to know if it rains or where's the, if there's a thunderstorm or if I see a bear those kind of things which really helps a lot yeah and how often do you deal with those scenarios on the trail like talk me through one of the maybe the scarier ones that you've had to deal with yeah um well let's just say my first night on the Appalachian Trail I sent my tent up backwards because I never set it up alone before and uh to see how scared i was if maybe there was a squirrel nearby and i would think it was a bear and i would freak out and take a benadryl and go to sleep to in washington i was hiking alone and i stood 10 feet away from 700 pound male adult black bear and he was walking right toward me and i wasn't scared at all but it was just this weird mutual respect. So to see this vast difference in change of wildlife on um, on the AT and the PCT is more calm. I guess people would compare a black bear to being unpredictable, but more like a raccoon. Yeah. Where on the common low divide trail, we're gonna see potential like grizzlies. And that definitely is gonna be, it's higher stakes, higher rewards. This right. trail's basically the most intense of all three. For sure. Um, and where does like social media fit into the picture for you in all of this with, you know, your Instagram following is growing and um, you have some brands that reach out to you occasionally about partnerships and whatnot. Can you just talk about how that fits into the picture? Yeah, I think a big approach for companies for me was um, we depend on certain gear to for the success of our hike. So I would use a gear, this gear anyways and then if it ends up in my photograph and tag them sometimes they get like a message from them instead of me reaching out and saying hey can you send me free gear or whatnot yeah. and just try to build a relationship through this mutual respect of we want like us wanting the same thing um and so i think that's really cool yeah i think that's an interesting approach then to have it more like this is a product i use 
and want to use and believe in. And I hope the brand then wants to, you know, sponsor me as opposed to the other way around. It's a much more natural fit the way that you talk about. Like, you know, it's, it's more organic when it's something you already use and believe in than the brand reaching out first, definitely. Yeah, and I think that my the first company that I became an ambassador for was Hyperlight Mountain Gear, who's a, a pretty big, I'd say, ultralight backpacking company. Um, but it was more about building this friendship and saying, okay, well, let's see how it goes this year uh, in terms of last year on the Pacific Crest Trail. And then now when we decided we were making this film and now we're good friends with this company, they were really stoked for the project and we could go up there and sit down with them and talk a bit more. But I started realizing like, okay, well, here's this backpacking company. And obviously they're super big companies like REI and Patagonia. Mm -hmm. But I really enjoy working with the smaller companies and getting to see them grow because right now I'm an ambassador for like four or five companies and they're all at various stages of I guess how long they've been around mm -hmm. and um, they're following their social media following so it's really cool to, to see that and, and to be a part of it I was never really concerned about the amount of followers more or less I just really wanted to show how true the outdoors really is I, I kind of I compare what I do in the outdoors industry to somewhat of what happens in the fashion industry and how you look at like models and the standards that are set in fashion. And I don't know much about that. I don't want to like spark up a you know, conversation about that, but I do see pictures being shared by big companies of a couple standing on the top of a mountain and they're in like plaid wool sweaters, but they're not even sweating and they have a cup of co hot coffee and you're like, how, that's not what it's like. Yeah. You are going to be disgusting by the time you climb that peak. And so I started realizing if I'm going to show the outdoors, this is how I want to do it. And I realized social media is the best way as a photographer to kind of get your work out there. Um, so in turn, I think showing the uniqueness of my work is allowed people to. Like, yeah, that's along. interesting. The point you bring up about just like the showing the manicured version. I know we talked to uh, Ed Cooper, who's this eighty-year-old photographer, and he does only unedited nature pictures. And it was just really cool to hear him talk about like, you know, he just wants to show what it actually looks like. And there is so much out there now where you see a nature picture, and you're like, "There's no way the the leaves are that color. Like that doesn't even <laughs> make it, sense." It definitely sets unrealistic standards and and um, expectations for what things are. And I do think that there's uh, I love digital photography, but it's getting so technology is growing so fast that the capabilities of these cameras is incredible and so altering a photo without really, really using Photoshop yeah. but just using editing a raw file and pulling out the blacks and, and the, the whites it, it really can change a photo drastically um, plus I, I'm really bad at technology which is another reason why I like shooting on film but um, but I, I definitely think that's important to yeah. show people yeah definitely so let's talk about the project that's coming up with the Continental Divide Trail. Um, you've been traveling a lot and trying to get ready for this project, so maybe just give the, the big picture scope of what it's going to look like, and then we'll get into the, the minor details of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the past two years, shooting photography strictly on the, on the trail, um, I, with a filmmaking background, I've always wondered what it would be like making a movie on, on the trail. And now we realize in the time when I think we really need to focus on 
taking care of the land that we live on and showing people, hey, we got to take care of our national parks and there's a lot of things going on. I realize as an artist, this is my best way to make a film. It, it, we decided if we, if we switch and make a documentary about us doing this hike, then maybe we can inspire people way differently than, than necessarily doing it through photography. Mm-hmm. And so we can reach a much broader audience and use things like music to complement story and to show people on the trail, off the trail, that hey, like right now I'm in a pair of jeans, but in two months from now I'm gonna be completely covered in dirt, but don't be intimidated by me. You know, I'm not homeless, yeah. but I'm doing this crazy thing. Right. And um, that they can do it too. That's the biggest thing, mm-hmm. to show people that we're just average people doing something crazy. I'm not Sean White doing a half pipe, but we are, I mean, you're walking 3,000 miles. Right. So, so you've been doing some prep work. Um, you've already started some filming, is that correct? We have, yeah. We just finished shooting two weeks in Europe, which is kind of funny because we flew to Netherlands, which is one of the flattest countries in the world, and we're making a movie about climbing mountains. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we're capturing the six of us who are doing the Continental Divide Trail and showing our on the trail, like off the trail. Yeah, um, and how did the six of you come together? We all met and various places either on one of the, the the big trails. A few of us went to the Himalayas in the last fall after the Pacific Crest Trail and met another girl from Netherlands and we convinced her to join us. And then I went to high school with another guy who was interested in hiking and filmmaking. So we told him, hey, we're making a movie about both of those, you know, yeah. involving both of those things. Would you want to join us? And it's like, twist my arm. I'll come to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what is it going to look like on the trail as far as you know what you need to bring, how much shooting you're doing every day, and, and all of that? This trail, without us making a film, is already going to be very intense. There's 50-mile road walks, 40-mile waterless sections. I already told you about, you know, the wildlife is extreme. Um, well, 90% of Colorado is over 11,000 feet. So this is really stepping it up. Um, and, but at the same time, us making a movie, it makes it very hard for us to hike a marathon a day for five months when we're trying to make a movie too. So we said, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. And we're going to have other units who technically wouldn't affect us. And they'll meet up with us once a week or they'll be shooting time lapses. So they'll really never even be with us. Mm-hmm. But that once a week, every time they see us, maybe we'll get a little thinner and our beards will get a little bigger and we can get the really good audio and stuff. So we realize that we can utilize these smaller cameras and technology to be our friend and uh, to make this small budget look really... Yeah, definitely. And what goes through your head on those long days, like the the 50-mile road walks? What's, what's the internal dialogue there? The, the really long days, I, I, it's all, um, you get into a very good, let's say, system, right? And you wake up, you, you eat, you put your stuff away, and you start hiking. You hike five miles before you even take a break, and then so on and so forth. So after you really get into the swing of things, and we call it our trail legs, it takes 500 miles and maybe like a month to really get your trail legs, those long days just... Music is really important for me, but they, they kind of just go by. Uh, you just get lost in 
your thoughts, right. right? And your phone's on airplane mode, and you're listening to your music, and yeah. Yeah. Do you have any contact to like the outside world during that, or are you airplane mode the whole time? If you're lucky, when you get to the top of the mountain, I would always check um, on the, the Appalachian Trail. Some of us had pretty good service. Others didn't. And yeah. So. This is part of what makes hiking the trail such a risk. If something does go wrong, access to the outside world can be difficult. This is why I suggested to hike with a group as opposed to going it alone. In addition, hikers are advised to establish a protocol for checking in upon completion of different parts of the trip, as well as a procedure to follow if you fail to check in. Hikers should also make sure that their contacts and family know their trail name, if they have one. This trail, I, I doubt we're going to have very much service. Yeah. So. It's definitely Spotify is going to be lifesaver. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And how much do you try to balance like that whole bring technology into what you're doing? Because obviously part of the appeal of it is that it's away from technology, but at the same time you're trying to complete this film, you're uploading to Instagram. So like, how do you deal with that whole balance of sort of competing forces, I would say? Yeah, I mean... I didn't think about this until recently, but I think life in the outdoors, our goal is not to get away or say, oh, I'm going to delete my Facebook because you're going to come back. But it's utilizing how can you have this happy medium and knowing that when I get to a town, I will absolutely be engulfed by technology, catching up on the sports games and, and what's going on in the world. But when I step back into the woods, I know that's my escape. Yeah. So I, I think it's great that I've stopped, I guess, getting upset at myself and being like, oh, I've been on Facebook for an hour. It's like, okay, well, that's fine because you're about to go spend six days in the backcountry. <laughs> right. So it's this, it, there is, it is weird um, to put your phone in airplane mode and not hear from people. Uh, there's definitely been some moments that I wish I had uh, my phone to be able to talk to friends. Um, yeah but you learn a lot how do you get through those like the lower moments when you're just craving the the outside world (laughs) well thankfully on these long trails I haven't been alone too much in terms of I'll hike alone you know most of us hike alone during the day or or hike with someone but we're both listening to our music or something Um, and then when you get to camp and it's raining and you're soaking wet and you're 40 miles from town, you look at your buddy, and he's soaking wet too. Yeah. It's not like he's warm and toasty <laughs> with a nice big pizza in right. his hands. So you kind of realize you're in this together. And in turn, that makes the friendships and the bonds you have with the people around you way stronger. Um, but then you dream of pizza, and that's what keeps you going. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, before we like jump into the future stuff, I want to just ask about... like the trail culture a little bit and how there's this tradition of everyone has their trail nickname and and how that process works and talk about how you got yours yeah trail names are pretty common on any of the long distance trails in the united states and it's kind of fun everyone earns their trail name some people give themselves a trail name which i think is kind of a bummer but (laughs) uh i got my trail name the first day on the Appalachian Trail when I pulled out my Hasselblad and took a picture and I was like, hey, do you want your trail name now or later? <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, what if it's like really embarrassing? <laughs> and then he said, how about click? That that sounds pretty good to yeah. me. But some other people, we have friends' names 
Pony Puncher, Cheese Beard, Oil Can. <laughs> uh, those are like good friends. Waterboy, Memento. Everyone has a unique story to their right. name. I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, is that going to be part of the documentary and capturing kind of that, or is it all going to be more focused towards like the the nature side? And I mean, this film that we're making is not so much about the hiking. It, it, the setting is the the Colin and Divide Trail, but really this is a film about people. This is a film about life. This is a film about us living in the fastest paced society in the world, and here are six people that are going to live life at the pace of their feet. So in turn, nature will challenge us. Um, we will, you will see that hiking culture. You're going to see us not shower for two weeks and be disgusting. Yeah. Um, we're going to get in fights. It's not, I would say, necessarily keeping up with the Kardashians, um, but it will be, so there will be trauma, but it's yeah. not necessarily super important, but it does happen. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an interesting adventure. Is there a way for any of us to follow along while this is happening, or are we all going to have to wait till the, the yeah. complete product comes out? Well, I think that's going to be part of the, the fun, too, is, is following along. I mean, we have a website, um, three mph.film we also have an Instagram and we're also posting a bunch of photos on our personal social media accounts so I post a lot of my own social media account yeah there's going to be plenty of ways to you know through us getting our sponsors and them kind of writing blogs yeah so let's jump ahead then to November and then like what the, the timeline is to put the movie together and what the plan is from there on out yeah, so we are on kind of a tight schedule, but we know that if we can hike 2,000 miles in five months, then we can do post-production pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. um, we're also limiting to try to figure out what kind of content we want on the trail, so we don't have thousands and thousands of hours worth of footage to go through. But we're looking at having a completed film by May 1st, and next year is the 50th anniversary of the National Trail Systems and the 40th anniversary of the Continental Divide Trail Coalition. So we're hoping to go on a film tour next year. It would be various cities around the country and basically be working in conjunction with them to spread the message of Leave No Trace and to show that there are these trails in every state in our backyards that you can go to and you don't have to do something crazy like what we're doing, but go ahead and try a day hiking and see if you like it. Yeah. Um, so that's really important that we get this film ready to be seen by the public by next summer. Yeah, so. cool. That's very cool. I'm excited yeah. to see it. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, thank well. you for, for joining us. I know you're on a tight schedule, so happy you could make yeah. it in here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks cool. for listening. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of Social Humans. Our guest again today was Nick Reichard, and we look forward to seeing you next time.